Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Dr. Bell, thank you so much for joining me on Michigan Minds. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk with you today. So can you start by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Sure, and thank you so much for having me. My name is Sue Ann Bell. I'm an assistant professor at the School of Nursing, and in my day-to-day life, I study disasters and the long-term health effects of disasters, particularly on older adults. But I'm also a nurse practitioner by training, and I regularly respond to disasters across the U.S. as part of a federal disaster response team. And in what areas does your research focus? So I am trained as a health services researcher, so I study healthcare access and quality, and particularly around the impact of climate change on human health. Within that, I also look at how climate change affects older adults through the lens of disasters and public health emergencies. So I look for ways to improve health and health outcomes for older adults who've been affected by large-scale disasters and public health emergencies. Thank you. And as a professor at the School of Nursing, can you discuss the long-term impacts of disasters on human health? Well, I could start by talking about some of the research that we've done, but I want to emphasize that there's the effects of disasters. So there's the hazard itself from a disaster that occurs as part of a disaster, which is a tornado or a hurricane or a wildfire. But really what happens with the hazard that makes it a disaster is the impact that it has on a community. And that could be from changes in infrastructure, loss of power, loss of transportation, um, all those things that happen when the hazard impacts the community and prevents it from functioning at its normal level. And so some of my work has looked at the impact of disasters on communities and on individuals. Some of our research has shown that after older adults have lived through a disaster, they have higher rates of hospitalizations across the board. So if we're we're talking about all cause hospitalizations or hospitalizations for any cause, we've shown that that increases after certain large scale disasters like hurricanes. And then when we looked at that a little more closely, we saw that hospitalizations increase, not just across the board, but also among people living with chronic health conditions like diabetes or heart disease or other types of chronic health conditions. So when we think about a disaster often, we're thinking that what puts people in the hospital is these immediate injuries or trauma, but really what we're seeing is that people who have chronic health conditions that need regular access to healthcare are not able to get the kind of health care they need after the disaster, and that is what may be putting them in the hospital. As an example, we have one study where we looked at people who lived through Hurricane Katrina with certain types of cancer, and we compared that group with a matched group who had similar characteristics and similar types of cancer, but who didn't live through a disaster. And what we found that um, mortality over time was higher in among certain types of cancer in the Hurricane Katrina exposed group than it was in people who did not live through a similar disaster. And our takeaway there, again, you know, kind of a common theme for me is that it's not about the 
you know, high winds or or the excessive rainfall, but it's about the impact of those hurricane associated events on the infrastructure of the community. So we know that after Hurricane Katrina, people had trouble accessing healthcare. And if you are living with cancer and need regular and sustained types of medical treatments like, like chemotherapy and you miss that, then that's going to be a contributor to your long-term health. Thank you. And you recently authored an article for the American Society of Aging titled, Should I Stay or Should I Go? And this piece focuses on how the advancing impacts of climate change are affecting older adults in particular, as homes and communities are increasingly placed at risk. Can you share with us a bit about this article and the decisions older adults are facing due to climate disaster? I mentioned at the, the start of this interview that I'm an assistant professor in the School of Nursing, and I'm a nurse practitioner by training. And a lot of my work has been in responding to disasters as a nurse practitioner. So I'm there in disaster-affected communities, seeing people who um, have made choices about um, whether to evacuate or not. And when I say choices, I think we have to take that with a grain of salt because in communities that are facing regular and repeated climate change threats like hurricanes or other types of disasters, the ability to evacuate is not always just a cut and dry choice. So you might hear on the news sometimes people saying, you know, those people should have evacuated. What are they doing staying there? But if you're an individual living with, say, trouble with mobility, you don't you don't get up and walk around easily. You use assistive devices like a wheelchair. You're an older adult living on a fixed income. Um, you require certain types of medical treatment uh, that you administer to yourself in the home. Then the idea of evacuating, going to live in a shelter even temporarily or paying for a hotel or the transportation that you need to even get to some of these places is a huge challenge. And so I wrote this article that you're talking about just to draw attention to some of the challenges that people and older adults in particular face when a disaster is affecting their community. So we can think more broadly about taking a community-wide approach to supporting people across the spectrum of, of health, rather than just making it an individual choice of staying or going. Thank you. And what are a few key messages that you hope people take away from this research? I think an important message is when we're thinking about change, we need it at, the, at multiple levels. So there's individual change that, that can happen in terms of being prepared, making evacuation plans like we just talked about. There's community level change that, that can take place. And a lot of that comes from having the community better involved in preparing for and responding to disasters from you know first responder relationships with the community, aging organizations, getting to know first responders and, and emergency management. Then there's policy change that we need to think about as well. So when I'm talking about key messages from my research, it's not just what you as one person can do, but it's what the whole of the community can do to be ready for these events. How can older adults or advocates for older adults get involved in creating change or bringing awareness to this issue? So I want to be clear that there's already lots of advocates, including older adults, who are out there doing important work around climate change and health and disaster preparedness and response every day. So 
I think a couple things are important and that is being your own advocate. When we're talking about older adults and health, we know that 80% of older adults have at least one chronic health condition. And if you're someone who's living with a chronic health condition in a disaster affected community or communities that are at risk for disasters, which these days is virtually every community in the US, it's a good time now to think about what can you do to be ready for a disaster? What are some of the small steps that you can do as an individual? To, to start building your emergency preparedness kit or to start thinking about what health needs you might have if for some reason you didn't have power or um, you didn't have access to healthcare, what would you do? So I think that's a, on an individual level, but in terms of thinking about advocacy, I always say, you know, your vote counts and voting for change around climate change including more climate change policy is a, a, a critically important thing when it comes to policy in terms of being a policy advocate. And then another really important message that I want to stress is getting to know your community, getting to know your neighbors. So if there's a, a disaster in your community and, you know, in Michigan, in Ann Arbor, we just had in February this pretty big ice storm where many people were without power for days. Um, and there's no better time to get to know your neighbors than before a disaster so that you can be there to check on them or support each other in the, in the event that there is a disaster. Thank you for providing those lessons and resources. Earth Month is recognized annually during the month of April. As a researcher in disaster response, community health, and emergency care, can you share with us your perspective on this month and what we should be focusing on when reflecting on the ways in which our environment is changing and communities are impacted? So I am all for any extra attention about addressing some of the crucial challenges we're facing, particularly when it comes to climate change. And I think Earth Month is a great time to think about what some of those challenges are. Um, there's any number of activities you can get involved in around campus, particularly when it comes to Earth Month. I also think a lot about being ready for the effects of climate change. And you know, as we've talked about, I think about disasters, public health emergencies. So I'd say, you know, April is a good time to think about what might happen if a disaster affects you and your community and think about some of those steps that you can take to be ready to address that. Wonderful. Thank you. And as the podcast comes to a close, we often like to ask our faculty experts, what is one thing you hope listeners remember from this conversation? I hope that the next time listeners are in the grocery store or in Target, um, that they'll remember this podcast and when I talked about being ready for a disaster and that I emphasize taking small steps to be ready. So maybe next time a listener is in, in the grocery store, they might say, hey, I'm going to buy a couple of gallons of water that are around a dollar each and I'm going to store those in my basement or, or out in my garage so that if there, for some reason, I did, there's an event, I don't have access to clean water, I'll have those five gallons or so that I bought at this one grocery store trip stored in my house. And then maybe the next time they go to the grocery store, they might think about spending another small amount on another set of preparedness items like a can opener and some canned goods, something like that. So I'd say that is a key message 
from me is to think about what those small steps you can do today to be ready for a disaster. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute honor to talk with you today and learn from you. So thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.